Verunstlicker. Verunstlicker. I think that's how they say it now. I got some uh, feedback on how to say the Verunstlicker. I think that's right for finish. I'm learning, man. I'm learning. Actually, the, that shawarma merino wool that I wore for the cup and everything, super comfy, super nice in that kind of moderate weather, 45, 50 in the morning, you know, 75 in the afternoon. The wool works really good, nice fit, easy to take care of, no issues there. I was digging it, man. So uh was working with that apparel and doing the stuff from the cup. Want to thank uh, both Phil Vallejo and Joe Weiss on uh, doing the podcast this week and helping me out. I've uh, been busy, man. I'm getting ready. Fourth of July weekend, Fourth of July tomorrow. I guess it's during the week. Today's Wednesday, right? So we had some Fourth of July stuff going on. And um, so uh, getting ready to get on a plane on Friday. I got a Tennessee class. It was uh, meant to be a private class, but. Turns out they have a few openings. They like reached out to me Friday, but I was in the middle of the mile high class and nowhere near the computers and stuff. I made a quick little post to see if anybody wanted to come to the Tennessee class on Friday. It's just outside of Nashville um, in that Franklin area, not too far from there. So I'm going to be going and doing a um, small little PR1 class uh, this weekend. And then I get back on Monday and on Thursday, I'm right back to Alaska. So I'm going to be able to bring that merino wool with me and everything. Although it looks like Alaska's been pretty darn warm uh, lately. But you never know. It's still rainy and kind of chilly in the mornings and stuff. So having those kind of merino wool hoodies and, um, you know, zip-ups work really good. And I always like wearing long sleeve. I mean, it's just a thing of being on the range and wearing some long sleeve stuff because we're down in the prone. I'm not big onto shorts and I'm not big into t-shirts. Although speaking of t-shirts, see Mike over at Mile High because we ended up getting those wind t-shirts that I did. They came out awesome. Uh, we use Excel uh, Sportswear, I think they're called, out of Pennsylvania there. They do a lot of the gun industry stuff. But uh, we, I, I designed the shirt with them, um, and it's basically our wind formula. The miles per hour, the wind target, it has a nice little red, white, and blue because that's how we paint the wind target. So on this 4th of July weekend, you get to kind of do the, the wind stuff, which is neat. Uh, but Mile High has some T-shirts and hoodies you can order up uh, for the class. So if you want one of the Sniper's Hide swag, Mile High training stuff, you can get a hold of Mike over there, uh, 303-255-99999 um, for one of those shirts and say, uh, I, I talked to Diane the other day. I went in and, and stopped in there and she said that they were going to, um, they're going to give them away to the students moving forward now that we ordered up those shirts. So uh, that's actually pretty darn cool um, that it, it'll, it'll come from, um, you know, it, you'll be able to get a t-shirt with the class kind of like a match right you're gonna do the class and get a t-shirt but I, I i really dig the design even though i kind of had a little hand in it i dig how it came out i think they did a great job with the t-shirt design all kinds of stuff like i said happening it's just it's it's you know full speed in class and then you got a couple days to catch up and usually when i get back there's like two to four hundred emails i got to answer and take care of some things on that front 
Speaking of that, the APO rifle, the Sniper's Hide Edition Ashbury Precision Rifle, they're having a 4th of July holiday little sale thing um, at Ashbury. You can pick up the APO rifle for $1,800. It's, it's a, that's, even there, it's a steal, man. At $1,950, it's a steal. We've had such great luck. This is such an awesome rifle. I really dig it a ton. And, um, you know, guys are having really, really good success with them. We've, we've been using them in all the classes and I don't know really what to say. I mean, 1800 bucks for a, you know, a, a, a semi-production rifle with the APO chassis. I mean, that chassis alone is like $1,200, give or take, you know, a buck or two. So you're, you're, you're almost getting the barreled action from it. But, uh, yeah, so that, if you're interested in that, go over to Sniper's Hide. In the bolt-action rifle section, there is a link. It's basically like snipershiderifle.net, uh, something like that. Um, but if you do APO Sniper's Hide Edition Rifle in Google, it'll come right up. But you can totally um, order one for $1,800. That's huge, man. That's, that's, a, that's a great deal. A couple other things going on. I'm getting ready for the... Um, the Army Sniper Association and the Marine Corps Scout Sniper Association is having their gathering here in um, Colorado, Denver. Um, they're going to be on my range. Uh, it's all kind of part of the hog call up. They're getting tons and tons of sponsorship. So thanks to the companies that are stepping up. If you're interested, you can get a hold of me and I can pass you on to either of the associations but both associations are just really kind of knocking this out of the park in terms of what they're putting on. I guess they cut a deal with like downtown Denver stuff, the Oxford Hotel um, they're staying at. And then um, we're doing a call up on Friday night at Wine Coop there. That's like Hickenlooper's place, but whatever. No big deal. Um, you know, he is who he is. Uh, but his, his bar is not too bad. And right down there in that Market and Blake Street area, we're going to be going. So they want to do like, uh, I guess Leopold is paying for that Friday night, which is kind of really cool. Um, they, they've put a bunch of money down to take care of uh, part of our bar tab. I mean, a bunch of Marines and Army sniper dudes. I'm sure that bar tab is going to be up there. But, I mean, Leopold threw a big chunk of change down. We got a bunch of other sponsors we're going to have shooting clinics and things like that going on. So if you're interested in, you know, you, you, you got a little background or history with that stuff, give us a ring up and come on out to the to the range and everything. And two days, range day, you know, range goes out to a mile and guys will get to play around. I think it'll be pretty darn neat. So been working on that, on my spare time and trying to do that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Because um, it, it's just, it's all these little elements that are going together. Um, I ended up, I actually just, like yesterday, I finally got around. Remember, like, my site crashed and I had the hack and the whole thing on the WordPress side. I had a bad plug-in and they hacked through and, and I basically just zapped it and redid it and tried to bulletproof it up a little bit. Well, um, I finally got around to like dropping articles in and getting rid of all the demo content. People were like, your site's hacked again. And, you know, cause there was like articles on weird stuff, you know, just placeholder articles. So I finally got around to pulling a bunch of my older articles myself 
and just loading them in. Nothing fancy, you know, but it, Google will hit on them. They'll be up there. I mean, it's good data. Don't get me wrong. It, it, it's it's a lot of different, you know, you know, different kind of informational topics and articles on, you know, tall target testing and gathering data and recoil management, some videos, some review stuff. Big Jim Fish there does all his stuff on the homepage. So the homepage is finally getting around to being back the way it's supposed to be. And I could start adding to it. I was really down on it for a while. It kind of broke my brain a little bit. You know, it, it, it's one of these things where, I don't know, it, it's tough to say, but you kind of get beat up and you're coming and going and coming and going. And I hate kind of the false start or not being able to finish a project. So it'll be a case of like, well, I'm leaving in two days. I'm not going to start it now when really I should be chipping away at it completely. And that's just something that I I have a hard time. I'm a procrastinator in some ways. And in other ways, I, get, I knock shit out and get it done, you know, lickety split. But uh, one of the things I want to go on a little mini rant here, man, I got kind of something on my mind. And it's like it's this endless cycle of drama over it's like uh, it's beating me about the head and neck you know what i mean it's like totally like dude give me an effing break with this question mills versus moa if you are even asking that question what i should buy what should i buy everybody miller moa and it's like a troll fucking question now you know it's such a troll bait click Blah blah blah, splooge all over. You know, it, it it's 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 the lamest question you can really ask because if you had any kind of forethought or put any research into it, you know everything's going to mills. I mean, think of it this way: it's shoot, move, communicate. Okay, it's ease, efficiency, and communication with others. And this question is just. If you're a bench rest shooter, you're going to shoot MOA. If you're a F-class shooter, you're going to be MOA. If you're a Palma shooter, you got iron sights. Who cares? <laughs> no, just kidding. You know what I mean? And it's, it's like, but if you're anything else, if you're in any interest whatsoever of shooting precision rifle long range, and you're not fully invested in one of those two disciplines... F-class and bench rest, you need to be using a mill scope. And let me give you a little background on my MOA-ish. All right, so Marine Corps, Unertle, it's it's really a BDC-type turret, but it has an MOA fine-tune, plus or minus three minutes, right? So Marine Corps goes and does their scope, mill reticle, MOA-type turrets, but it's really kind of... It's different because you dialed the yard line and then you had a fine tune for your load in in your shooting. You know what I mean? So it fine tuned with MOA, minute here, minute there kind of thing. So, you know, like a 500 yard shot for me would be a five plus two, you know, so I would put it to five and then throw the, the fine tune. And the fine tunes kind of like looks like the Night Force Beast. If you don't want to go back in time and look at the inertal, the beast turrets and the inertal turrets are very close to each other. So you would just dial it to your yard line, you'd plus or minus it, and then you'd write it down as a as an 800-yard shot might be a 5 minus or 8 minus 1 
or an eight plus two or, you know, it's, it was written like that. So you went to eight and then it gave you your mill adjustment. So I knew MOAs, but we still did mill ranging, mill holds and certain things like that. Because in 78, when they designed this whole thing, they did a mill reticle and then they did, it, you know, MOA turrets. And they started us on kind of that wrong mixed path. But that's where the U.S. mindset was rather than just going straight mills. It was like they recognized they needed mills for the radical, but then it was like, will we think an MOA for the turrets? So fast forward, I start Sniper's Hide, 2000, 2001, and I get connected with U.S. Optics, John Sr., before he passed away, okay? And there was a member of Sniper's Hide when we had like less than 100 members and, and so on who were like, dude, you got to get with USO, you got to get with USO, and then he was a big USO fanatic and, and had a lot of scopes and let me use some of them. It was like, you know, coolest thing. Because really all you had at the time was a Leopold Mark IV and then a lot of really cheap scopes. You know, the Bushnells, the Citrons. And they were good scopes, don't get me wrong. They were just different. They were more of your, I, I don't even know where you want to go with them. They, they, they weren't specialized like we have today. So... I, you know, John Sr. is like, listen, man, I ain't giving you a scope. Ain't giving you, ain't, shouldn't say ain't, but I said it. He's like, I'm not giving you a scope. I'm not doing this. I want to know where your knowledge is. And, of course, my knowledge was less than a thimbleful. But I had a little background. The website was starting to take off. And he's like, if you want to learn this, if you want to know what's going on with this stuff, you're going to come to California, you're going to spend 10 days here with us, and you're going to learn how to build a scope, and you're going to learn what goes into a scope, and you're going to learn all about it. So I go out there, I learn about it, I start working with USO. USO is a big presence on the site, kind of like the early GA Precision days, you know, just tons of USO stuff. Um, and so I'm going to SHOT Show with them as kind of like their guest, their helper, whatever you want to call it, I'm coming in to SHOT Show as an exhibitor through U.S. Optics. And the question comes up, well, gee, you know, a lot of us want MOA. Mills are a little confusing at the time. We're like, well, we really don't know. There was this back and forth, the Leopold M3 Alpha, Army, Army mill dots versus Marine Corps mill dots, which aren't this shape, you know, the oval versus round. It's 6400 versus 6283. You know, it's there's there's the mill that we use with scopes, which is six two eight three, and then there's a military mill. Military mill is what you find on a lensatic compass. Military mill is a rounded version of our version. There's actually like four, four or five. There's like a NATO, or there, there's like a northern NATO one. There's a Westpac one, a Russian one. There's a whole bunch of different ones, but they're kind of just rounded up versions that fit them at the time. But it was mainly for artillery, right? It was all artillery-based. When they went to rifle scopes and they were doing rifle scope stuff, it used the 6283. But because there was maps and compass and artillery variants of it, there was a little bit of early-on confusion that quickly got weeded out. But because of that, because I wasn't versed in mills beyond the reticle and, and the Marine Corps stuff, it was like, well, why don't we do something cool MOA? Why aren't we matching MOA to MOA? 
and this was before, trust me, this was 2001, 2002. I don't think there was an MOA, MOA scope on the target, or on, on the, not target, on the uh, market, especially one that was more tactical. I was mixing tactical and market there together with target. But anyway, um, so I go out there and I'm sitting, I'm at SHOT Show in Orlando. So you can go back in time and figure out what year it was we were down in Orlando. It might have been three, might have been two. I don't quite remember, but it was early. And I said to John Sr., um, I said, hey, man, why don't we do an MOA radical? You can make anything you want. They had the engineering catalog at the time. Their book to get a scope was like an a la carte menu, right? It was like you went to a Ruth Chris steakhouse and you wanted to order all kinds of stuff off the menu, but everything was like a separate little deal. And that's how you ordered a USO scope. You would say, I want this turret with this adjustment, with this radical, with this objective, with this, you know, magnification, with this style of illumination, and it was it was all like, you know, choosing off a menu. And so I said, why don't we do MOA, MOA? It'll be the first one, blah, 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 we'll do it. So on a napkin in Orlando, down at a, like, Texas-style steakhouse or not barbecue, it was a pla- one of those places with peanuts on the floor where you basically had the peanut shell in the buckets or the peanuts in the buckets and you threw the shells on the floor. It was in a place like that. I remember it. I drew what I wanted for a U.S. Optics MOA reticle, which actually became their very first MOA-based reticle, and it was my design. So I tried it. I shot it. I didn't like it. It wasn't really. It it didn't. It didn't work with me with the fractions. Okay. After that. And it was a short time after that. I've told the story a bunch of times with me going up uh, New York, meeting with Tom Irwin, owner of Accuracy International. It was right around that same time frame that I just came out with a the, the MOA, MOA, USO scope with them. That And they had sniper side edition scopes, all kinds of one. I actually had one stolen in transit I had sent to Jason Bainey. I think it's like my number two, sniper side edition number two of a, um, of a, uh, what do you call it? U.S. Optics scope was ripped off because I, I let somebody borrow it and it got stolen in transit. But um, we did, a, like I said, we did a lot with them. And uh, I'd gotten Accuracy International and my original AE, my first one, when I got a demo, AIAE. And it came with a Schmitten Bender 3 to 12 Accuracy International variant on it. I tell you what, I paid for all of that, but you guys would freak out if I said I got a Mark One AE with a Schmittenbender three to twelve, one of the um the Mark series. That's the AI uh, labeled one. It was made for the AI rifles, and it says AI twenty eight hundred dollars. And so I had the whole thing like that was for the whole package, like twenty eight hundred bucks. And, you know, it was a demo stuff, so no big deal, but it was still a killer deal. And I switched over to Mills back then when I moved into the Schmidt and Benders. And, you know, basically I had some Mark IVs, retired those. I had a bunch of the USOs, grabbed a couple after the fact in Mills, but kind of slowly faded out of there um, and just transitioned more to the Schmidt and Bender stuff. So I experimented with the MOA thing. And guys come on with these trolling posts asking which one I should get. 
And everybody goes, well, I want him away because I'm an American being 4th of July and all. I'm going to throw that commie stuff right out of there and get rid of it. And it's like, dude, what does being American have to do with Mills versus MOA? It really has nothing other than one's base 10 and one's fractions. I mean, Mills work with yards. Okay, one yard at a thousand yards is a mill. So, you know, it, 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 it's it's this kind of like these same repetitive comments. I like MOA because it's finer adjustment. Yeah, you dial four clicks on your quarter uh, MOA scope to get a minute. I dial three on my mill. 1.08, right? I've already had this discussion. It just drives me friggin' nuts. Want to rant on it a little bit. So it's like, what the hell are you guys up to with this crap? It's spewing the same old thing, spewing the same old lies, all the same bullshit, fake news, and guys are just passionate. It's like, dude, let MOA die on the vine. It's been bastardized. It's been beat up. It's been rounded, and it don't work. And it's funny because I kind of said, like, Leopold is one of them, and, and yeah, I mean, I... I like Leopold was at the cup. Hey, guys, you know, really good stuff. They're they're in there. And then the guy comes on and he tries to correct me. And he's like a customer service from Leopold logs on a sniper side. He's like, oh, Mr. Lowlight, blah, blah, blah. He's like, howdy. He's like, yeah, we're all true MOA and all our long range scopes. I'm like, "Eh, we tested them and they're not all true MOA, dude. Some of them are inch per hundred yards. And the worst part now is what this is what drives me nuts because I said to somebody, I said the 5% error that's built in with everything MOA is the most annoying factor on the planet. Think about your buddies out there who only want to talk spin drift and Coriolis. Got to dial my spin drift at 800 yards. Oh, no, 600 yards. Oh, I help me when I dial spin drift at 400 yards. It's like, what are you, fucking high? And, and it's like, dude, it's 1%. And yet you'll default to a system with a 5% error built in. And the guy's like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. We're all our scopes are this. And it's like, no, they're not. We check them. We made the tool because of their scopes. Okay. That target fixture to hold scopes. And it was like, okay. But then they admit, because I brought up their literature. All their literature rounds it to an inch. Everything they put in writing has it as inches. Quarter inch, not MOA. And then even their ranging formula used the inch per 100 yard instead of the 95.5. So the guy's like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. But yeah, we did that. It's like, how do you just admit to doing it all and say I'm wrong? Because you're trying to say all your scopes are just in true MOA, but all your literature for everything you put out is the same in inches. I don't get it. You're misinforming people, and then you're blaming me for saying you're misinforming. Okay, if everyone, and I'll go back, and I don't have, I wish I had more here. I don't have enough Leopolds here to check, but I know the ones we've checked weren't all TM away. Some were SM away, you know? But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get into an individual scope company that way. But all I'm going to say is shit's been rounded. It's been broke. It's acted like, and they act like they're doing you a favor by making it easier. And one guy came on and said, dude, 
You just said it's not doing anybody any favors by eliminating the 047 and not using the angle but reducing it to a linear number. You're not like let's get away from linear values. Why are we reducing a angular unit of measurement to a linear adjustment? Dumb. And it's not like I said, I don't want to bash on Leopold. They're doing a ton of good stuff. I appreciate him stepping up and all that stuff. It's not about bashing. It's about education. It's about me going into a class and a guy saying, no, my scope adjusts in quarter inch. And then he says it adjusts in, like Night Force says, 0.26. Then Leopold comes on and says, we, we adjust in 0.262. And it's like, but all your stuff says 0.25 inch. Yeah, don't listen to that. And it's like, what we do, you know, don't listen to what we say, just what we do. And it's like, what you say matters, you know? And I think Night Force took the right approach in that situation by going MOA, MOA, and advertising it as TMOA and not just straight up MOA. If you read MOA, it's not cut and dry what that means. Different companies look at it in different ways. Man, it could be rounded to shooter MOA. It could be not rounded. It could have a turret that's shooter and a reticle that's true. Because nobody thinks it matters. It kind of does. Some guy tried to argue with me the other day about this because there was a thing on. And it was like, he's like, it's four inches. It's just four inches. We were at 2,000 yards talking about it. So the farther you go out, the more it is. He goes, it's just four inches. I go, no, it's four M away. If I told you, you had a four M away plate at 2,000 yards, how big is that plate? I said, you have a two M away plate at 1,000 yards. How big is it? It's not two inches, right? Hello? Bueller? Bueller? So, it's like, it matters. Context matters. What's go- How you say and do these things matter. I get it. If you don't want me going out and saying you got to check your MOA stuff, and especially check them because they say it one way and they do it another, well, then don't do it two different ways. And now, apparently, he came on and said, well, we're changing that, and we're writing it like this now. But it's like, don't try to school me and in the same breath tell me you've been giving people inches, not MOA. And and so that drives me nuts. I mean, base 10 versus fractions, okay? It's 10 pennies is a dime. I've mentioned that a ton of times. But it's like, stop with the damn question already. If you are going to go out and do anything with anyone else, you're going to probably want to talk in mills. It's easy. It's efficient. The learning curve is so much better because you don't have some guy trying to tell you it's one inch at 100. It's two inches at 200. It's three inches at 300. It's four inches at 400. It's five inches at 500. It's six inches at 600. It's seven inches at 700. It's eight inches at 800. Or is it? What is it at 833 yards? Hello, who cares? But you still got to add in that 047. And then I like how the guys, well, it don't really matter. It's just a rounding error. 
Yeah, except we use over 30 minutes to get to 1,000. So now it's three times that rounding area. Go out further, and it's more times that rounding area. Remember, it's an angle. The further out we go, the bigger it gets. If you read the old books, the old manuals, read the Hatchers, read the McCoy, read all those books, long range for them was inside 800 yards. It was four to seven in the in the books and stuff that they looked at that. They kind of figured, you know, like think about the 308. The 308 they thought of as an 800-meter cartridge. Okay, yes, it works at further distance, but they looked at it as a max effective range of 800 meters. That's why that, you know, that 920-yard, the 168 hits the invisible wall and hits the ground. It's kind of like that. That's what they're kind of talking about. That's where that comes from. So what they did is they said, well, what's half of that? 400. So if we do all our work at 400, we then can kind of extrapolate and test and go out. But you could read it. I could probably pull one of the pesture manuals over here and, and, and say where it says long range shooting was four to 700 yards for us. That's where we did all our math. That's where all their... All the old manuals don't go out to distance like we do now. We're shooting so much farther. You know, we're out there in space, man. We're shooting a lot farther distances than we ever have before. So the angle matters. It's just like tall target testing, okay? If you're box testing your scope inside an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper, you are doing nothing but spinning your dials and seeing if they come back to zero. You're not checking anything because you're not giving the error enough distance to multiply and magnify enough to make it visible. You got a half-minute shooter trying to shoot and box test something across 10 inches. It's like you're not going to see it, dude. It's in your group, okay? You got to do a minimum, minimum 36 inches is where you want to be. 24, I think, if you calculate it out, is where it kind of starts between 20 and 24 inches, I think is where you'll start to see it. But if you really want to start it and do it right, 36, your bare minimum. Because you want the angle to magnify. You want to turn the turrets enough so that you can see the error compound. If it's a 2% error in your tracking, how much do you have to move that 2% until it becomes visible? That's why we built the fixture. That's why we do four-foot levels and rulers. That's why we run them 10 mils or 36 inches because we want to see the errors stack up. The errors are usually at the top of your adjustment, not at the bottom, you know? So don't waste your time with these, you know, 10-inch square box test, 8-inch square box test. It does nothing. That was the biggest hoax perpetrated on people when gun writers and magazine guys were doing these 4-inch square box tests or 8-inch square box tests on an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. They were lying to you. They were wasting your time. They were making it so every scope looked great. They're all not. How do we know? Because we check them. We built a tool for it. We see students every single week from spring to fall. And 
we see a huge variety of equipment. We don't see one brand. We don't see one brand outshine another in a lot of ways. There's chosen brands and ones we think do better, but we don't see anybody immune to a problem. It's a mechanical device. It is the weakest link in your system. Okay? If anything is going to break, that'll probably go first. Okay? And that's why we're kind of a little bit, don't do that. Mm, that's a bad idea. You're going to waste your money, dude. Uh, you're going to do it twice. Uh, you're going to do it three times. Okay, it's your money. Go buy some more. That's that's what we're trying to prevent. We're like not doing it because we're, we're already set. We already know what, where I'm going. You know what I mean? I got my zero compromise here and I got, you know, the night forces all here and I got the Schmidt and Bender. I got scopes that I know have been checked and tested and do all this. And I know which ones I'm sticking with in the brands that I like. You know what I mean? I'm not kind of compromising that principle to say, oh, well, and I get a lot, man. I got some, I got a Citron right here that's being looked at. You know, I got an Acme here, 299 on my, 223 Ruger. You know, it's all, and, and it's been checked. All these little things, man, we're running it, we're checking, we're doing this kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, that's why we say what we say. It's not that we're trying to dissuade you from something, it's trying to prevent you from making a mistake where you're going to make a mistake twice. Now, don't get me wrong. If you only go out and shoot for yourself like a golf game, Go out on the weekends, you shoot for yourself, you don't worry about it, you got a range you like, you do you do your certain things, it makes you happy. Who cares what you're using? You can use units of Frank. Instead of UFO, it's UOF. Units of Frank. I can run units of Frank all day if I'm out there on the range by myself. Hey man, put three Franks on that gun and let's smack that guy. I make the rules. I control the situation. I'm never going to set me up to fail. So does it matter? No. But go out on the street and you want to start talking to people. Go out on the street, you want to start eavesdropping in without having to convert and do all that stuff. I remember when I shot the first mill scope, that AI, Schmidt and Bender. I was at ASC. I got it the same week as ASC and I went down there and shot ASC. I was converting everything because I didn't know. I'm like, okay, for my 308 and this, I need this many to hit this target. Okay, three uh, times 3.4 or, you know, divided by 3.43 for MOA. And that's going to give me the mill. Okay, I need to put 2.2 on. I was doing all that longhand math for everything because I didn't know it. It was new for us. Europeans knew. You know what I mean? But for me, I didn't know it as well. So I had my, I went through this same process, this same learning curve. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like we're trying to help people who want to buy stuff today. And it's like, don't do that, dude. You're not going to be happy over there. And then you got all these jerk offs coming in. Oh, I do it and it's fine. I've been doing it since 1972. And in 1978, I bought my first one. Gosh darn, let me tell you, it's the 
best thing ever. I never had a problem hitting my targets. I hit my targets all the time, dude. It's like, dude, good for you. It works for you and you're happy. But that's not a big picture outlook. You know? I'm talking big picture outlook. I'm trying to save these guys from making a mistake more than once. Telling you, mills are easy. Mills are efficient. Mills work with the wind when we talk the wind stuff. We don't have to go through a complicated process like we do with the MOA things. We don't have to do the longhand math. You know what I mean? They never really took advantage of MOA because they were too busy trying to find a shortcut. The mill is already the shortcut. If you want to be perfectly honest, it's been around, I think, longer, right? European is Italian. Ferris Uzlika. I think that's how you say it. I'm digging the merino wool, guys. Their, their stuff in, in, in the, the, that Sharma series, Sharma, Sharma, there's no H, but digging it. I look good, too, in the oxblood. Chicks were digging it. Of course, it was somebody's ex-wife that I know out there, but she was digging on it. She was like, dude, you look good in red. And I was like, yeah, it's it's like ox blood. And then the guy came back. He was like, no, dude, it's dragon blood. But that's all I got to say, man. If you're asking that question, you've already lost. You should know. I'm going to do this. So that means that discipline favors X. The other discipline favors Y. Where are you going? X or Y? Well, that should already be in your brain. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm saying. Anyway, that's my rant on MOA and Mills. I know I had it before. It's it, This is a repeat of a repeat of a repeat because the damn question comes up every week. It turns into a five-page celebrity train wreck and it's like, uh, why do I have to suffer this in my what's new feed every single hour of the day? Who cares? If I'm going to shoot F class, I'd probably shoot MOA because the targets are MOA. Go figure. I'm shooting steel. I'm using mills. If I shoot an F class, I'm going to have a 55 power scope. Right? One of those night force competition guys. I'm not going to be using a 5 to 25 attacker. I'm going to get the scope designed for the job. Maybe I'll get a March. I don't know. I feel a little crazy. My birthday's in March. Maybe I'll get one of those and shoot F class. I doubt it. But just in case, I might want a 60 or 80 power scope to shoot F class on paper. Not so much in what I'm doing today or yesterday. Not even tomorrow. But if I was to do that, Bench rest, F-class, I'd have a completely different optic. End of rant. So, what else has been going on? God, I don't know. I mean, so much is happening here. Like I said, I'm getting this back-to-back. It just drives me a little nuts. Um, you know, went in, like I said, went into mile high and picked up. Oh, that was the other thing. The McMillan A-10, I put, it's all put together now. I got my barreled action in it. I got a bighorn origin. I got my, my 25-inch 6.5 Creedmoor gain twist Bartlin. Boom. Left-hand gain twist on that baby. 
into there, put into that A10 stock, that little that little guy, digging it through to zero compromise, five to twenty-seven on it. I don't know, man. I'm 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 almost thinking I'm not a hundred percent sure right now because I kind of left one of my cases up in Alaska, but I'm almost thinking I might go to Tennessee with that guy. I'm probably gonna end up bringing my AI because they shoot AIs down there. I know for a fact they do. Um, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm a little confused what I'm going to bring. But I am really, really like the feel of the McMillan stuff. Grats on those guys. Paul Phillips, he uh, won King of Two Mile. Nobody hit King of, Nobody hit Two Mile. So the king is kind of like the king of a little less than Two Mile. But he's still the king. Anyway, congrats to Paul and his group and all the guys. Team AB had a big showing as well. Um, GA Precision, Robert Brantley, and those guys, I guess they shot under Manners. George was there and all those guys. They had two of their guys in the top 10 as well. Derek Love and Robert Brantley were there. So congrats to Team Manners for being up in the top 10. Other thing, oh, my Hornaday Kestrel came in. I'm going to use that guy, going to jump in on that, both feet. I, I like the Hornaday app. I shoot Hornaday ammo a lot. And, and I just got an email update that said they add, they're adding new bullets to their library with the Kestrel now out for them. You're going to see bullets start to uh, add to their library, I'm sure. As more and more people use it, they're going to definitely want to put that stuff in there. But I'm a Hornaday fan. You know, when I don't have Prime, and, and, and I don't really have a lot of Prime right now, but speaking of ammo, man, that Peterson stuff, fantastic. Really good. Um, shot it again during the class. Uh, I had, I took her, I, I'm like, you guys just put this in my car and we'll go to dinner and that way you don't have to carry it. And then I'm like, I'm keeping it. So we had a bunch of ammo left over and, um, so I shot it and I've been using it and, and that Peterson stuff is really, really good. Can see why the APO rifle likes it. You pair that APO with some Peterson at 1800 bucks for that 4th of July sale, you're going to have a half minute or better rifle with that Peterson like 140 grain 65 Creed. Really really good stuff, man. It's pretty damn awesome. So, definitely digging on what's going on there. A lot of movement in the in the industry with bullets. I'm, I I like the fact that bullets are changing like the A-tip and stuff. You know, I I got it like I said, once Mile High gets their place all up and running, I got to kind of get my reloading set up, put back together and make some time. Oh, that's the other thing I did. Um, I added to that, to that, uh, that was the other thing I wanted to say, uh, boom, the, uh, McMillan origin, Bighorn, blah, 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 rifle I put together. I put an elf 700 drop in trigger. I put the elfman tactical trigger in there. They have a 700 drop in. I kind of cool, man. Little, little crazy. It's got a six to one roller rocker bearing pivot arm. Oversized safety knob, which I don't care about the safety. I'm using my bolt, um, you know, which was cool. Adjustable two. Like, this is another one. Two ounces adjustable down to two ounces. Who needs that? But anyway, it's got zero creep and take up. It's 100% drop safe. So I put an Elfman tactical, Elft, Elftman tactical in an Elf 700 SE trigger. I dropped that guy in to my uh, Bighorn 700 action. Digging it. I like the I like the break in the feel on it. I gotta I'll play with it adjustment wise a little bit. You know, I think we had some really good conversations with Joel about that trigger adjustment and where it should be. So um that was kind of cool. But um anyway, 
That's my rant. That's my 4th of July weekend. I'm on a plane on Friday. I'll probably do a podcast on Saturday night from the class out there. I'm going to be pretty much staying on the range. They got like a little lodge house or something to that effect. So I don't think there'll be a whole lot going on. I don't know who's staying there or what the circumstances are. Kind of coming into it blind, but no big deal. It's class. So um, I'm definitely going to be... uh, I'm definitely going to be probably doing a podcast over the weekend and get you guys caught up. And then, like I said, back to Alaska. We'll get Taylor in. Got to get Taylor to do a little longer of a podcast. He just wants to hit and run. He's all about the social side of it, man. You know, he's like, let's go up, be social. And I'm like, I got work to do, dude. I got other things besides this class that has to have my attention. And I, and, and, and it's wearing on my brain. Try to take a oh, little fuzz. What's up, fuzz? What's the matter, fuzz? What are you up to? He just ate fuzz's hair. There's his fuzz collar. Fuzz got a frisbee and a football, and he's got stuff, and he's jumping in my lap now. He's like, get off the damn pewter, man. You've been on the pewter too long. I want to chill. He wants to. He got a haircut, and he looks all fancy with a new collar. He got a fancy new collar, and he got a haircut. And, he, and I got him playing football. He plays football a lot. He's got a chunky football, and he's got a frisbee. And for a while, like, he would go and I'd throw the football, and then he'd sit there and bark at it, and then he'd, like, be barking at me to go pick it up. It's like, no, you get it. So now he gets the football on his own and does a little better with it. So I could tell him he's got to get it, and he has this kind of bouncy little happy little jaunt that he does when he has his football in his mouth. So Fuzz is here. I'm here. Fourth of July tomorrow. Be safe. If you drink, don't drive. If you drive, don't drink. Watch the fireworks. Open palm, not close fist. Right, guys? Nah, we know M80s are dangerous, man, even though they're cool. You know, shooting each other with Roman candles and stuff. And I know one of you is going to be putting a bottle rocket in your butt and firing it. It ain't going to be me, but I know it'll be one of you guys, so watch out. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. I'll get into some comments. Probably out there I'll do the read the comments. You guys have been fan-friggin-tastic with the comments. Thank you very much for coming into the Podbean app, laying down those comments, listening up, doing your thing. I really, really, really appreciate it. It, it, it means a lot, man. It's a big deal that we're, we got such great numbers. It's a big deal. You guys are commenting and coming in. If you got questions, ask them. We'll answer them. I read them. I answer them. We'll go out there. So if something comes up, you want to rant back at me, if you, if you don't think MOA should die and die a painful death like I do, let me know. Let me hear it, man. Fuzz is crying because he doesn't want to see MOA die. He says, please don't kill no MOAs. I'm woo-woo-woos. I'm Mr. Woo-woo-woo, man. You want to say woo-woo-woo in the mic? He says, no. He says, no. But anyway, thank you guys. Thanks for listening to the Everyday Sniper and head over to Sniper's High, jump in the forum. Super busy. You can see those celebrity train wreck uh, posts and everything, and um, you can get what's going on. All right, guys, out.